everybody. Welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Newman of the Shepherd Express and Active Packing Company. Um, we just, well, we didn't just, uh, last Thursday, which seems like forever ago, <laughs> we lost to the Detroit Lions. Um, we play the Raiders seemingly in the far-flung future on Monday nights. Uh, it's a big old gap here for the mini-buy. Um, but uh, we, we still need to go over the Lions game. You know, they're in a division. We'll play them once more. They seem to be quite good. Um, and uh, first of all, to help out with that, in uh, Kansahoma, as he is every so often, we have... What's happening, everybody? My name is Matt. You can call me Matub, Acme Packing Company, Meme Weaver, and General Twitter Rabble Rouser. We actually have good internet today because I don't have roommates. So. It's not, it must be nice to not have roommates. Like, you know, and I, I know it's your workplace, but, you know, it's still it's still kind of weird to have you, like, be in the frat house. And everyone, you know, every once in a while having the frat stuff going on in the background. I mean, to be honest, it hasn't been super fratty for a while, but yeah. today, uh, the only other guy here, he and I uh, smoked some chicken breast. <laughs> so, <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> all right that's, so we had communal dinner like that's good good old, that's good, good old that's, that's a good ritual i feel like all right uh, so jr is out tonight he is covering the brewer game that's going on right now that is going like every other brewery playoff game in history um depressing and crippling i hope they come back but um and tyler's still coaching football and he's like super duper busy and he's running the fan buzz thing so um we have a first time guest this time uh to help us out the host of hey we, we like your podcast, which Matt has, Amitub has been on before, uh, and we've been mentioned on several times, and we are both huge fans of. Uh, so joining us is... Hi, my name is Matt Pickett, podcast co-host, guest host, producer, and general ray of sunshine in Packers Twitter. <laughs> you are that. That is very true. I do like the never negative um, thing you guys bring to everything. It's very, very nice. <sighs> There's so, so much good. backbiting and infighting and... and um, you know, just trolling. It's nice to have a place that just celebrates everybody for what they are. Oh, thank you. I like, I mean, I appreciate that. Thanks. Anytime. So, uh, should we talk about this, this terrible, horrible, no good, very bad game that we played? Hey, yes. hey, I, I've made that joke. Did you really? Day. Yeah. Did you not see, I, I, uh, Photoshopped Jordan. Love's you did. I stole it from on, you. Dang yes, it. It was, yes. you got that into my cover. subconscious. <laughs> Dang and it was, it. Jordan, was good. Jordan loves terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Written by the Packers O line, illustrated by the Lions D line. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. Ah, uh, so um, I feel bad about this game, but I kind of mentally um have myself in a state where I don't care about Thursday games, good or bad. And I think this is a good one for that because um, just comparing the Lions to the Saints, uh, the Saints defense is probably better than the Lions defense. It, it just, it probably is. It has been for years. And I do think the Lions have made strides and, and are good. And this is not a rip on them. But the fact that the Packers were able to do stuff against the Saints on regular rest makes me feel like them not being very good offensively with an offensive line that was all messed up on uh, a short week probably isn't a huge deal so i've kind of passed that a little bit thursday games are dumb like they really they think how many days you lose like you get recovery day and then you get like the walkthrough day and then that's kind of it and then you're playing you know you don't get to do any high level strategy you don't get to do any um any like serious like tricky plays or anything like that you just kind of got to go out there and wing it and the packers aren't good at winging it like they're a High-level deception, Shanahan-based team. It's not their game. Yeah, I'm not surprised they struggled. It, I'm cool with that. Defense less. Yeah, we'll, they're we'll there. They are uh, 130 plays out of just 11 personnel, and when you have to cut it down to 50 total, it doesn't go very well. Does not. Does not. 
Um, the other thing is, like Matt, I think you coined the term that we are the six win team with the eleven win schedule. And yes. when you have that, um, there are going to be six games on the schedule that are, you know, the actual hard games. And I think the Lions are legitimately one of those games. And um, should give, should give props to them. I do think they're intelligently run, intelligently built. Um, they have a good offensive line and a quarterback who only excels behind good offensive lines. I wanted Ben Johnson from them. They're they're fine. They're good. Good job, Lions. Well done. <laughs> okay, well, the last time that you said nice things in it, it, about a division rival, it was when you said that the Bears might not be dumb, and then they started the season as the worst team maybe ever. There was a might in there, though. You, you got <laughs> need a lot of evidence there. I'm, I know, but I'm just saying, like, like, please continue to say nice things about the Lions so they can crash and burn. <laughs> Ah, you know, as far as dealing with the sting of that of that loss for me, um, in my line of work, I work with students from all over the country at the University of Cincinnati, and I have uh, currently uh, at least one Bears, Vikings, and uh, Lions fan who I meet with on a regular basis. I saw all of them the last week, and I was like, hey, sorry your Vikings are trash. Hey, sorry your Bears are trash. It's like, you know what? We're not totally trash, so it's kind of okay. We're doing all right. Yeah, I agree. I'm with that. I, this is, I feel like Packers expectations-wise, this is kind of about right. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's the youngest team in the NFL. It's going to be a learning experience. You're not going to be perfect every time, especially when you don't have a full week of practice. And these kinds of losses are going to happen. So, you know, uh, I, I really like. Uh, I'm, get, I'm very much like not getting bummed about this season so far. And that Thursday game didn't even really bother me that much. Okay, well, it, well, it bothers me in the moment. Like I'm totally fine now, but like I was distraught. Were you really? Game. Because I, I that's. The like during the Falcons game and during that, the whole time I was like, I keep saying it's a six win team. I gotta stop getting so riled up. And then like ten minutes after the game, I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, clear. Yeah. The big problem that I have so far is that the Packers fan base hasn't come down to earth yet, and the Lions fan base has not risen to the occasion. <laughs> so we still have a ton of entitled town fans. Do we still have a lot of people that are just like we're awesome. I haven't run yes. into that as much. It's, oh. oh, it's so annoying. And the, yeah. but the Lions still have this like little brother syndrome. And before the game, they were already talking about how the Packers are going to cheat and the refs are going to like give the Packers all the call. And I was like, you guys are you guys are in the lead of the division. You're the team to beat. Stop it. Yeah, they're good. They should own it. It's nice. I think the thing about a Thursday night loss that kind of hurts is all Friday, all of Saturday, the coverage from national media is like, hey, here's what happened Thursday. We have nothing else to talk about. So it was like a lot of talk about, look how good the Lions are and the Packers suck. That is true. That that was not fun. That's not fun. That's never good. The Bears gave us a gift on Sunday, at least, to kind of cleanse the palate a little bit. But yeah, you're right. That that coverage of the minutia of the game kind of. Okay. I can't even enjoy the Bears win. Or the Bears loss. You, you can. No, I can't. Why not? Because because donkey fans that were like, yeah, we're tanking for Caleb are now like, look at that comeback. Russ is cooking. We're going to do it. I mean, <laughs> like, they're, they're going to get Caleb. They have the first and the second pick. They're, it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Them. I'm saying the, the Broncos fans. Oh, the Broncos that, fans. That were, okay. like, that were like, we're in full tank. It's very obvious. And then the comeback and win. The comeback. All of a sudden, Russ is cooking Super Bowl. Going to go... 14 and 0 for the rest of the season. So you had a specific Colorado problem with this comeback. Yes, it's a very specific specific to Colorado issue. Gotcha. Um the thing that always terrifies me um every game this year is that Jordan Love's going to turn back into a pumpkin. So I do always just do a, a pretty big breakdown on 
whether anything along those lines has happened. And he wasn't great in this game um, and had kind of standard Jordan Love issues. But but I don't think he was horrible. Um, I think he was not great. Uh, certainly could have been better. There are a couple things that I think are worth watching for the future. But he still made some really nice throws too. And he still seemed like he was like in control and pretty cool for the most part. So I'm even okay with that. It was a bad game. Bad game is going to happen. <laughs> well, then do not watch the JTO Sullivan I did video. watch the JTO Sullivan. I actually don't <laughs> think he was that negative on it. I thought he was okay yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, I think the first, like the first third of the video is is pretty damning i think more more because i think love was worse than we thought when he was bad but then jt also shows that he was better than we thought when he was good i think that's true um and i i did big part in the rundown i wanted to talk about jt's use of turndowns when he's doing love analysis because i think he yeah uh one thing that jt o'sullivan is very good at is minutiae he is great at breaking down the play uh, in very, very tiny detail. But I think when he goes play to play, he sometimes misses um, some some patterns, some things that recur. And one thing he went over and over again in this one was that uh, Love was probably responsible for a turndown. Uh, he missed like three or four slants that were, that were open, usually to Dobbs. And um, when that term comes up, what it means is he is either, either he just missed his read, um, or I think JT is always implying he's waiting for something deeper down the field to come open. And in this game in particular, you can't do that. And it is, a, it is a love thing that has occurred all year. Love leads the league in depth of target amongst all quarterbacks. He leads the league in aggressiveness index by a lot, by the way. It's like 29% for him, and second place is like 23%. And then it goes down to like 10 So <laughs> um, that stat, by the way, is the percentage of passes you throw into tight coverage. And that stat is biased towards deep throws because usually dump offs and um, like bubble screens are not covered. They're wide open. They're not tight window throws. The more you have, the lower that number is. He never does that. Like he, he just never checks down and it's a problem. It's nice to take chances down the field. Um, but this was a game where you're missing, you're missing two linemen and then you're missing Runyon and Tom is banged up. You got to get the ball out, man. You just got to, you got to play better situationally. Yeah. We, uh, Okay, so what was the what was the Farf mantra in the West Coast? Uh, touchdown, first down, check down. Yes, that was it. Right, that is very much Jordan Love's mantra. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He wants that <laughs> deep shot every time. So instead of getting like the three headed monster that like got all the best stuff of Farv and the best stuff of Rogers, uh, we basically got Brett Farv with better legs and Aaron Rodgers play action. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much right. Yeah, that's pretty much right. <laughs> which which means that we need to get Dorsey Levens out here and replace AJ Dillon. Yeah, I, I think. What do you, how how good do you think a fifty two year old Dorsey Levens would be versus AJ Dillon? Uh, it'd be pretty much the same. Uh, he would, <laughs> so With this run blocking, he, <laughs> he would be worse in terms of you know physical play. But he would make the right read most of the time, so it would turn out to be the same. That's how that would work. Uh, I love Dorsey; he's great. Sneaky, sneaky, great all-time Packer good season in there. So um, I also give him props for that. But yeah, oh, AJ is Car- AJ's the, killer. The man. catch, the catch in the Carolina game. Like every time I say his name, that's that's what I remember. Is yeah. is him mossing on the sideline? Oh, so good, indeed. He is killer. They got to stop this. They got to get him out. Like uh, the. 
the down and distance problems he creates do not help Jordan because Jordan is very tempted to throw 10 yards down the field when it's second and eight all the time, which it always is. It is always second and eight on this team. So well, sometimes it's third and seven because he ran for one and a half yards twice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, which is funny because because love is very much he does a lot of things that are like the monkey's paw answers to things that we hate right so like we don't like inefficient use of wide receivers and bubble screens we don't like throwing short of the sticks on third down <laughs> so love right. doesn't do either of those things but you know monkey's paw the finger retracts he's just gonna huck it deep every time that he is that he is that he we does. got we got rex grossman back there I do wonder, though, if this game looks quite a bit different in a lot of ways, if there's just another three days to prepare with a poor offensive line and the realization that, you know, okay, we got to work on the short game. We got to get it out of your hands in this game because you're going to have pressure in your face. And instead, I also think, but I also think your two biggest offensive weapons not really practicing for 10 days and then all of a sudden in the game. Even that, like three days extra and maybe Jones a little bit more in the passing game, not on dump because he got turned upside down like three times on dump offs, but like (laughs) actually in the pattern also just helps a ton in this game too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Um, All right. Well, that's that's love in a nutshell. Um, So (laughs) place for love. Love on the rocks ain't no big surprise. Yes, it's not. All right. Neil Diamond? Did I just quote Neil Diamond? I think you did. I think you quoted Neil when, Diamond. Oh God, I've I've been com- becoming old by the second, yep. and I, I think that's a marker. I think quoting Neil Diamond. At least he's a good songwriter. He could have could have done worse. Steve Perry, that'd have been worse. I don't know. What's uh, wrong? The only thing wrong with Steve Perry is his mustache. Did he have a mustache? I always picture Steve I Perry as not a mustache. He, he had I a very short-lived mustache. mustache, and it was awful. Yeah, it was like wispy and. Yeah, it was bad. It was the kind of mustache you would imagine Steve Perry having. Yeah, and and the only reason I know that is because in 2009, one of my fantasy teams was named Steve Perry's mustache, and it was just a very close-up picture of yeah. his mustache. So, oh, Lord, it's a bad mustache. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's your RAE homework. I want everybody on Twitter to send Paul pictures of Steve Perry's yeah, do mustache. That. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Uh, I do think the other problem in this game, and it's a short week thing too, is that Watson was back and they forced a lot of throws to him um, at, at yeah, the expense of other people. Watson was covered a lot um, and he was the first read a lot and that did not work either. I suspect longer game plan, longer, uh, you know, better offensive line. You get more out to Wicks, get more out to Reed, and this game goes a lot better too. And before Musgrave is concussed, you do that too. Yeah, and like when it's third down, maybe don't throw a timing out route against the Lions number one corner. Yeah, don't do that. That was weird. <laughs> okay, speaking of the Lions number one corner, Brian Branch looked like he blew his Achilles apart. I can't believe he's, he didn't blow his Achilles apart. I and it, they should be uh, reprimanded for playing him in the blowout. That was silly. <laughs> and then he in got hurt practice. again. And also yeah. he missed he mispracticed today, you know, Tuesday the 3rd. Um, so I don't know exactly what it is. I can't find conclusive evidence but like the way his leg moved the way he was walking and like it just it looked like a torn achilles that's so i really hope that he's healthy because he's he's fun to watch and i would feel really bad for the lions missing out on a premier defensive player due to injury in their rookie season yeah indeed it's happened too much to them it it really has 
All right. A C- couple more notes on the offense before we move on. Um, Dontavian Wicks only had one target, which I don't like. Um, I have not watched all 22 yet because I've been super busy, but every game he's been open a lot. And uh, even though his sample size is small, he's quietly like sixth in the league in, in yak per reception. So uh, the Packers don't have another good yak person so far other than Watson, uh, who is very good at that. And uh, it, it would be nice if they used him a little bit more for easy gains. They, I feel like they do throw him deep too much. The other one, like, I think we've been back and forth on Jaden Reed on this. Uh, not you, just me. I've been back and forth on Jaden Reed on this podcast so many times. And um, he is he's definitely a, a Jordan Love problem creator with the hands. And so far this year in the NFL, he's 0 for 5 on contested catches. Um, in college, he was actually... Not great, but he was kind of good at it. He has a lot of highlights mossing people, and he doesn't—he doesn't actually drop balls that much. But he needs to get better, better at catching the ball when there's a guy around him. He really no, does. It's he good. needs to get no. He needs to get better catching the ball when he's not splayed out and completely. Yeah, when he's diving, when he's making diving. an awesome vertical catch. Agreed. Yes, he makes he makes circus catches and then drops stuff in the bread basket, yeah. and I I don't. He probably get will get better at that, but it is one of the I factors so. driving Jordan Love's short completion percentage issues. Like a good chunk of that is just Reed not fighting through to the ball. <laughs> but I mean, Jordan legitimately he he plays like he's playing Madden, and his stats reflect it. Where he'll go like fifteen of twenty-seven, but then he'll still have like ten yards in a ten. Bomb, 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 Yep. <laughs> is very true yep so he's loves out there playing Madden, man right. and, and last, so maybe uh yeah. reed needs to work on his catch in traffic yeah last <laughs> offensive thing the last interception so um do you guys have an opinion on romeo versus jordan i mean um, romeo should shouldn't he, he shouldn't have broken off the route because jordan was still in the pocket right so it just seems like a you know kind of rookie team ish mistake kind of a thing i'm not yeah. worried about that that I'm seems like easy to clean up i just the fact that like Everybody came out and was like, "That was Romeo's fault." Like, like, bas- like Lafleur basically walked up to the podium and was like, "Good afternoon, Romeo ran the wrong route." <laughs> I think that's because Romeo was so whiny about it, like in, in real time, and not, like the, the replay of it was him just like going crazy that something had gone wrong. But yeah, like, there's no—I don't think there's any way to diagnose it as, as anything other than his fault. Like, you're right, Love was still in the pocket and if Romeo would have run his route it would probably have been a touchdown it was a touchdown <laughs> absolutely yeah. Yeah. so it's not even like just like you were covered or something and trying to improvise just like just do what you're supposed to do when you score mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so we're all on the same page there um any buyer's remorse for, for um uh Matt, for uh, Laporta versus Musgrave because Laporta has been Gosh. awesome so far yeah but Laporta really was good. drafted way before Musgrave so was he really yeah, Laporta he was the beginning in? of the second round. Oh man, I had that memory all wrong. I guess I had Musgrave mentally in my head way above Laporta. Did look Musgrave was like on everybody's big board way above Laporta. Yeah, and then the, the week before the draft, Laporta started going up boards. That's right. But yeah, Laporta was taking like ten picks before. Musgrave. All right, that's okay. No problem then. No buyer's remorse at all. Nice job, NFL, because he did. Uh, I think he he definitely had the Iowa problem of playing for the worst offense like in the history of college football. Made him look a lot worse <laughs> than he actually was. And then but then, of course, him. I mean, it's a tight end from Iowa. You you, you draft the tight end from Iowa. That's except, what you do. Jace. Well, did you? Did oh, no, Jace he was not for, Iowa. Sorry, no, Chase played for A&M. I'm wrong. He's A&M. Sorry. Sorry. Didn't, who, like, we he, had somebody. From, who do we have from Iowa? 
Um, who, who am I mixing other than Brian Blaga? Yes, other than Brian. Maybe we didn't. Uh, I'm going to go ah, through well, every Packer tight end for the next 20 minutes now. So Yeah, so Laporta was taken before Michael Mayer. So Laporta actually was taken up as the second tight end and above two guys that most people thought was better. Man, the NFL did a nice job that draft on tight ends. They really did. Yeah, except uh, the, the Steelers are ruining my boy. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's a lot of time left, and he is on the again like the worst offense. He got he got Iowa in the NFL, same colors even those jerks. <laughs> yes, but so Darnell Washington being asked to run like triple move routes, and it's just like no, just just tell him to run a slant or a drag and murder a safety. That's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are not wrong. All right. Should we talk about our terrible defense real quick? I suppose. <laughs> so Quay Walker uh, meditated all offseason to not get mad, but apparently he didn't read the rule book that you can't jump over the center. On, you can't do on everything. Special. It is one of those where I feel like every fan knows it's a rule because every like twice a season somebody tries it, and you know it's one of ours this season. But it's it seems like such a... It's an obviously bad thing to do, and it just sticks out like a sore thumb. You're obviously going to get called for it. Well, okay, so according to the refs, it would not have been a flag if he did it as a broad jump. Really? Yes. That's the, so if that's you, a rule. You, yes. It's, so it's not. A, you, it's not a running start, right? If it's like one yeah. yard, you can do it. Yep. So okay. he he had a running start and did it, and that's why it was flagged. If he had been stationary and jumped over it would not have been a flag fascinating but also if you're stationary and jump over the center you have no forward momentum <laughs> yeah so it's okay <laughs> but um oh man okay so i i, I gotta talk about this before i forget because this reminded me the the tush push oh the yeah eagles the <laughs> eagles qb sneak um there has been one one good argument against it in all of NFL taked them, and it came from an unlikely source, uh, Richard Sherman. Okay. So uh, the NFL outlawed defensive players pushing uh, other players into, like players into players on special teams because of safety. And so Sherman's like, so are you not going to apply that rule to the offense? That's not fair. Sure. Hey, that's fair. So, like right? That. So that's... There hypocrisy. we go. Red hypocrisy. And, and also, we just saw the Giants try to do it, and it didn't work. <laughs> so, got to be able to, good. Yeah, got to be a little stronger than that, and practice it. They admitted to not practicing it after the game. Yeah, and also, your QB has to squat six hundred. Also, that's, that's very helpful. Yeah. Yes. This is so. Weird. To go back to Quay Walker for a second, I feel like the discourse around him this week has been really weird because people are like, "He made all these tackles. He was a beast. He was trying so hard." And the other part is like, "He was tackling like eight yards past the line of scrimmage. Like, what? What's? Where are we at with that? What are he you guys was, He was AJ Hawking it out there. <laughs> yeah, where he, he was he Blake Martinezing it. He really was. Yeah, he always made the tackle, but it was after a successful run play. Tackles mm-hmm. are the worst stat. We you um, should just everybody should ignore tackles. They they are. However, they lie. Uh, the Quay Walker discourse brought up the Wonderlick again. Oh, yeah. Because Quay got a nine, which I didn't know until... And also might not be true, by the way. We don't. We, yeah. we have no way to verify that. Like, it comes out in Bob McGinn's thing every year, and, like, <laughs> we don't know if he's, like... We literally can't tell. Like, it's just his word, and there are ulterior motives on stuff like that. So, whatever. What? You, Bob McGinn not being entirely on the level? The hell you say. Uh-huh, indeed. <laughs> Well, okay, so let's just say 
Bob would. Uh, okay, I'm actually I'm not going to say those words out loud. Let's just assume that it was not untrue about his his uh, Wonderlic score. Who cares? Yeah. So yeah. C.J. Uh-huh. Stroud got like like the cognitive abilities of a seven year old, <laughs> according to that one test that's new this year what i, what, I forget what it's called is q2 or something like that i wrote yeah, a big, whatever it was like, i wrote a big and, thing on it and then i forgot what it was called so and people were mad at you about that well i i, I think i was pretty balanced in how i presented it but it is still <laughs> untested and unproven so um but yeah and then cj stroud went out there and was awesome and he was also my my recommended number one selection so <laughs> <laughs> victory laps yes but matt do you know what i got on the wonderlick uh, you got like a 35. That was his I ACT, a, but... Ah. I got a 45 on the Wonderlick. I got a better score than Aaron Rodgers. I, wow. cannot, pl- I cannot play football in the NFL. The Wonderlick no. is garbage. It has no application to the NFL at all. Not even a little. It's it's silly that it's out there. And what's, what's that guy's name? Rob whatever, the Forbes writer. I can't believe a Forbes writer would delve into such things, right? Like, just so on brand. <laughs> like, freaking Forbes. Why does Forbes cover sports at all? It's ridiculous. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be af- in the biz. Well, n- there aren't enough people left that can afford what Forbes is supposed to talk about to be its own newspaper. <laughs> so they've moved into the everyman world. Well, good for them. Anyway, I dunked on that guy, and he ended up going private. So hooray for that. Um, Get him. <laughs> it was ugly. Bad job. Uh, uh, do you want? You should. I'm surprised you didn't jump right to Enoch Bari because I feel like he's your guy this off season. Did, <sighs> okay, so did you, like guys, did, did you guys see the golf block first of all? Oh, it's so bad. Did you see it, Matt? No, I don't think what it was. Jared. Okay, golf. so there there was a reverse, and Enoch Bari was the one holding the edge, and Goff blanked him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like blasted him like five yards downfield, which is, I mean. Yeah, that tape should come with laughter and all all kinds of bad grades in the Packer film room. You can't be doing that. Like you gotta look. I could, I could do a cut up of Enigbari snaps and put Yakety Sacks in the background, and it would. I was gonna say Yakety Sacks. I was gonna say that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so yeah, the 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 jokes I made about Joel Seedman are becoming more true by the day. Yeah, Enigbari just looks weak. It's it's kind of amazing. Um, he had such a good preseason. Our preseason on edge rushers was such fool's gold. I am never paying attention to preseason again. I used to not watch preseason, and then I would show up and I would like make better predictions than I do now that I watch every preseason game. And that is why sometimes it's easier against fourth stringers, and you get Malik Heath looking like an All Pro, and you get Inigbari kicking butt, and that eh, doesn't matter. So, and Carrington okay. Valentine looking like Superman. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh man, there's an- exactly another one. I was like, we got another good corner here. No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> okay, but he was he was the third best graded Packer on the defense, I think, according to PFF. Was he really? Yeah, it was like it was like Gary and him. Okay, because I made a I made a um, salary cap joke about it, and people got really mad. I, I didn't um, even see Gary do that much in this game. I guess he must have had a lot of silent pressures. Well, it, Gary, like you know, you know how Gary is. He does twenty five snaps, yeah. and all of them are good. Okay, so highest grade of Packers versus the Lions. Rashawn Gary, 82. Rudy Ford, 73. Uh, I disagree with that. But he had the pick. He had the pick, but then he was garbage the rest of the game. Uh, Dobbs at 71. 
Zach Tom at 71, and Corey Ballantyne at 70. Okay. Corey Ballantyne. So I, oh, I was getting a Ballantine, confused. Ballantyne confusion. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Okay. So Corey Ballantyne was number five. And so I, I did the math on that and I said, according to over the cap, these five players account for 13% of the 2023 salary cap, which is roughly the equivalent of Eric Stokes plus David Bakhtiari. <laughs> <laughs> And people got really mad because you're not allowed to talk about David Bakhtiari anymore. Talk about him. Stop. <laughs> I mean, wait, did anyone else feel kind of uh, uh, scorned by Matt LaFleur going, Bakhtiari, I'll talk about that later. And then you're like, oh, he's coming out today? And then <laughs> end of press conference, everybody was, have a nice yeah, evening. Big blue box right there is what that was. Oh, that was awful. But um, So anyway, yeah, like your best corner was a practice squad elevation that's that's it's not, not great um, personnel was not great but so the the what got me on the pff thing pff win rate uh rashawn gary is at 33.3 percent number one amongst all edge yeah hmm. um lvn is at 8.7 which is 84th oh that's and, not good and then you got three guys in the fives hollins smith and enic barre they are all below 100th that's not good in edge that was supposed to be a so, position of strength, and it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I said, but guys, don't worry. Is 90-degree eccentric isometric BOSU ball one-legged reverse band tsunami bar push-up trap bar snatch? I assume that's so, a Seedman exercise. It's it's um, The first part is the absolutely a Seedman exercise, and then I just... <laughs> it's, but it is a lot closer than one would think. Uh yeah, he is a he's a rough one. So, um, we should mention Joe Barry in this game because well, personnel was not great. They were injured. Um, we still continue to see these repeated instances in obvious run situations where we've got nickel on the field, where we've got three down linemen or two spread way the heck out with holes that you can just waltz through. Um, and and the other team is just like. Oh yeah, fine. David Montgomery didn't have to try very hard to score in this game, and I had a bunch of stupid Bear fans like saying, "Oh, we should have kept him. He's awesome at me after this game." Like, no, he wasn't. Anybody could have scored three touchdowns what? against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Like, literally 200 anyone. Pa- two hundred pounds of human is going to score with those holes. AJ Dillon would have scored three touchdowns in this game if he played. For uh, the I don't team. know about. I, don't know. <laughs> I said human, not Plodzilla. <laughs> He'd have been fine. Um, so we still continue to have that and. It keeps happening. It's so alarming. I mean, it, I, I charted out the Joe Barry era today, and it's a fun week to do it um, because by EPA per play, by expected points added from 2021 to now, um, the Packers have allowed 0.23 EPA per play on passes, which is 10th. Pretty good. Not bad. 10th uh, best pass defense in the Barry era. And 0.022 EPA per play per run. So basically the Packers give up the same expected point plays on passes and runs. That's not how this is supposed to work at all. Like every other team in the NFL essentially gets free value from opposing running plays. They're almost all below zero. Um, In fact, since 2021, there are only three teams to have positive EPAs uh, against running backs. And the Packers are by far the worst at that point to 0022. The Giants are like 0.018 and the Chargers are like right at zero. That's it. Everybody else generates negative running value from the opponents they face, including the Bears, who also aren't good at this. So um, it's it's a thing. It's personnel-driven, but it's also Barry just 
not reading the room, not reading the what the opponents are telling him, and not throwing out anything that could possibly stop the run. You can't you can't do that when you're getting this many positive yards on it. It doesn't work. It's ridiculous. I can't believe he's still here. I really can't. So to clarify, that's the whole Joe Barry era, not just like the small sample size of four games from this it's season. It's the Packer Joe Barry era. Should yeah. Wow. So we're, we're, we're taking out the 0 16 Lions and the awful Commanders teams he coached. Yeah, that's the Joe Barry Packer <laughs> yeah, yeah, era yeah. in its entirety. So a small, a wow. very large sample size. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, I didn't like. I didn't expect it to look quite so bad. I assumed the pass would still be um, that much higher than the run, but it's not. So, um, so basically. Um, over that same era, uh, the following teams have worse passing offenses than the Packers allow to average running games. So the the Bengals, Saints, Browns, Steelers, Commanders, Falcons, Colts, Giants, Bears, Jets, Texans, and Panthers are all worse at passing by EPA than any given running team against the Packers' rush defense. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's how bad that is. That uh, it's not good. Should probably get you fired. So sick of them. That and the reason they beat the Saints. The Saints are just horrible at running. And if you're horrible at running, they can at least keep you from being super good at it. But that's pretty much it. Anybody who's any good at all is going to tear them apart. <sighs> all right. Anything else on this game before we talk about the Raiders upcoming? I'm sick of it. Let's move on. Um, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's get the questions. So, um, yeah, Joe Barry makes me sick too, Paul. I, I know. So on the plus side here, the Raiders are horrible. Have you guys watched the Raiders play at all this year? They're so yeah, bad. They're very, very bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, I'm not sure the general populace understands how bad they actually are. I see a lot of highlights of like Garoppolo to Devante, and um, it it uh, it really hides a lot of just truly brutal play. They haven't scored hey. over. Maybe they should move to Los Angeles. <laughs> Maybe they should move to Los Angeles. Maybe they're distracted by the sphere in the background. Um, so, Paul, are you saying was... that Devontae Adams is uh, covering up things that should be fixed that are bad? Actually, <laughs> I know, is that what I you're know. saying? Who would have thought it? Like? Oh, Who, gosh. <laughs> Who would have ever but no, thought I was, that I was making a, uh, 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 an Angels joke again. I'm going back to that well. Uh, I, I dig it. Uh, Get your baseball in. Because Jimmy... And Devante look really good on Sports Center, mm-hmm. and then when they zoom out slightly in the frame, and you see the Raiders are down by three scores. Tungsten Armo Doyle stuff going on there, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's more Devante and Max Crosby. It's like Devonte Adams had 15 catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns, and Max Crosby had three sacks, and the Raiders lost 38 to 14. <laughs> that is your Tungsten Armo Doyle team right there. Also, Max Crosby wasn't he like a fourth round pick? He was a fourth round pick. Uh, I know. This, it, I know for a fact that he was picked after uh, a bad Packer pick. I I can't remember which one, but he was. Well, whatever the third round pick was, yes, it, it let's was. just say it's, it was probably Amari. <laughs> it it very was. likely was Amari, because it was a Gruden year, and I remember that they took like they took a pass rusher at like seventh overall that no one had ever heard of. Like it was, it was worse than what anybody said about the AJ Dillon pick. This guy was legitimately taken top 10. and Crosby was drafted by the Eagles, right? He was one of their zillion picks, I think. Max Crosby? I I swear to God, he was taken taken in the late round by the the Raiders after they had already drafted him. Let's see here. 2019, fourth round. Oh, no, Raiders, you're right. My bad. Um, Let's see. Right after C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Not bad. Who did we pick before that? Oh, Vikings, Alexander Madison. You could have had Max Crosby. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe we didn't have one in here. We have to go back we a long have, way. He's definitely. We like, didn't have a third round pick. If, if he's on the Packers list, it's a long list of people you could have taken instead of somebody. Oh, there it is. It's uh oh, it's Jace. So you got Terry McLaurin and yeah, yeah, Terry you got, McLaurin, you got yeah. All, all kinds of people before you get to Max Crosby. <laughs> yeah. So the Raiders, the Raiders took uh, Clellan Farrell at fourth overall. Wow. And uh, Clellan uh, currently plays for the 49ers and he has 10 sacks in four years. I have never, I'm sure I've heard of him because of the draft, but man. <laughs> so yeah, he like wasn't even on people's draft boards. Clellan Farrell taken before Josh Allen. Oh wait, that's the <laughs> other Josh Allen. Never mind. Two Josh Allen. The other, the other Josh Allen. Yep. Yeah, other Josh Allen. He was uh, taken before Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing we should mention about the Raiders is that uh, they faced uh, Khalil Mack on the Chargers last week, and he had I believe six sacks in the first half of that game, uh, or maybe early third quarter. The NFL record for sacks in a game is seven. Um, by uh, uh, who? Shoot, um, good Kansas City linebacker who passed away. Um, darn it! I have to look that up. I watched the game. He did it to Dave Craig on the Seahawks. The Seahawks won it on the last play of the game because he missed it. Um, Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas did that. Um, so he has the record. Um, uh, Khalil Mack almost broke it. There's a good chance that Rashawn, if he's allowed to play, will will you know kind of get in, get into the same zone. Uh, next week so. yeah but we're gonna be looking he's gonna have five sna- five sacks and 26 he might like that, that might actually happen <laughs> yeah. that's what i'm looking forward to the, their line can't block anybody they have gotten lit up a ton so um optimistic about that game i think that we should have a good recovery game everybody will be healthy that team is absolutely terrible they're not a good running team they're a bad running team bad offensive line team Really, everything plays to the Packers' strengths, unless Devontae just goes ham, and he might not even play. Like, he suffered some kind of upper body injury last game, and he has not practiced yet, so we'll see if that even happens. If they don't have Adams, they're hopeless completely. Yay. All right, should we get to our Patreon questions? Because, as usual, you people asked a lot of them. There are many people. You people, our lovely patrons. Yeah, our lovely patrons. Uh, Really quick before we get into that, if you do uh, want to join our Patreon and get question priority here and on the Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, which is probably going to have a lot of complaints this week by the looks of things right now, um, you go to patreon.com slash mktailgate. Two bucks gets you question priority here and there. Five bucks gets you uh, the mini pod preview of the, the following week's games, as well as the minor league extra that Ryan does with James Anderson of Rotowire, uh, looking at the Brewers farm system in great depth. So uh, go check that out if you're interested and you can join all of our wonderful patrons in asking all of these questions that are getting longer by the week too. Also, I was going to say in, in keeping, in keeping with the reporting as eligible drinking game traditions the rundown uh is nine pages long and questions start on page three (laughs) (laughs) all right let's knock these puppies out (laughs) all right question one from patreon date the packers have gone one game since receiving a personal foul on sportsmanlike contact conduct well 15 yards isn't considered a personal foul while this demonstrates the bare minimum of progress i feel you all jinxed quay I am starting to feel that Mark Murphy is too comfortable in his job and the board of directors is too unwieldy to do anything about it. I feel this is the reason Matt LaFleur can continue to employ Joe Barry. 
It is my opinion that Murphy and the board of directors focus too much on the dollars and cents and not enough on wins and losses. The Packers have won a lot over the last 15 years, but the high standards required to win championships seems lacking from the people acting as owners of the team. Thoughts? <laughs> and that's Donald Anderson, by the way. Thanks, Donald. Mm, yeah. Um, so really quick, on the dollars and cents thing, like, first of all, this is a hard style recap league. It has a floor. Nobody in the in the league is being cheap. It really doesn't happen that much. It, it, you you have to spend a certain amount, and I don't think the Packers are a particularly cheap franchise anyway. I do think they are an extremely loyal franchise that does value continuity quite a lot. The Steelers are very similar, even when they have sort of long-standing issues on one side of the ball, which they do. They do tend to stick it out maybe more than they should. Um, there are pluses and minuses to doing that. Uh, it does prevent you from making knee-jerk reactions, which can also be bad. But I do think they are a little lax on their sort of postseason evaluations and grading because um, with Barry in particular, there's not a lot of positives left. Like We have a huge sample size of Barry defenses at this point. They have very similar issues from year to year. They have never once finished in the top half of the league. Uh, and just by random chance, uh, defense is very volatile. By random chance, an average defensive coordinator will finish in the top half of the league with some regularity. The fact that he doesn't means he is not a good coordinator. So um, I think that that is mostly based on just organizational philosophy. I don't think it's a Murphy um, complacency thing. I actually don't think they're a very complacent organization. I think, um, I mean, they were very proactive on the quarterback and Aaron front, you know? Um, it, it's just they do value continuity, and they, they, they don't make rash decisions, but I wish they'd get a little tougher. And Matt's yawning, so I guess he agrees with me. Oh, I was I, I agree. Okay. Murphy is really good at making money though. That's that's also cannot be understated. Yeah, yeah, he is. That he is good at making Murphy's money. Murphy's gonna the be president there for good. forever. Yeah. He makes so much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sledding Hill alone is a gold mine, so <laughs> it is. We <laughs> next question? Yep, let's do it. All right, coming from you're either a smart fella or a fart smeller. Until this hey, past first try, can... let's go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Until this past week, I never gave the gold package a second thought. And then there was a suddenly massive rash of gold package discourse. It has me wondering, is there truth to the criticism specific to gold package season ticket holders? Does it have to do with gold package games occurring on weeknights slash prime time as opposed to Sunday afternoons? Is it merely one element contributing to a larger issue with an aging season ticket holding fan base? I asked because my first takeaway upon seeing all the discourse was that it felt like Milwaukee Packers fans were getting disproportionate criticism. And I frankly don't know a lot about the dynamics of the whole thing. Please explain. Uh, okay, I Paul can... and I are about to fight. Uh, oh, you want to go first or second? <laughs> no, I, I'm going to go second because all right. you you crushed me in a 10-tweet thread. I did. That's that, true. That filled my mentions. And I was like, I'm going to wait for the podcast to respond to this bullshit. <laughs> Okay, so um, I have been to many gold and green package games. Uh, My family for a long time had access to both um, through various methods. And let's start off with, uh, let's set some baseline here. First of all, Midwest fans aren't good generally at cheering loudly. Um, It is a problem. 
uh, as I often say, uh, people from Wisconsin are the least likely people to wave their hands in the air like they just don't care. Um, they are, I mean, get enough in you, sure, but they're very reserved in clapping loud enough, in yelling. There's a lot of, hey. Um, and so let's start with that being the case. Now, um, then you bring in the Milwaukee season ticket package. The gold package is the holdover from when the Packers played in Milwaukee County Stadium and split games between their Lambeau Field and had season ticket holders in both locations. The gold package is the season ticket holders from the County Stadium days. And um, that was a while ago. Um, a lot of those people have um, passed on. Their relatives own them now. They're not the same people necessarily. And you have these people that are at least two hours away, um, often more than two hours away. And it becomes much more difficult to go to a game on a Thursday, especially if you have access to one later on on a more convenient day and you can kind of pick one or the other. So um, the gold package bear, bears some brunt here, but I think they're also kind of a rational part of the fan base on the Thursday thing. Now they get ripped up on Sunday games too. People are always like, oh, it's a gold package game. They're not going to cheer as loud. They're not as good as we are. Um, I don't think that's true. I think they're actually fine when they're in Lambeau. Even my mom like says that once in a while, like, oh, it's the Milwaukee people. They're not as good. Um, I think they kind of, I think they are personally. I've been to both. They, they both seem equally loud. Um, but like the, the, the team made it hard for the, the far away ticket holders to get to a game going to a thursday game is annoying like it, i mean if you don't take friday off not everybody can then you're driving two hours there and it restricts the beer you can drink there and this is wisconsin so that matters and then you got to drive all the way back and it's like 1 30 or 2 in the morning at work the next day um and if it's your only game like if say you're a detroit fan and you want to go see lambo and you've never been to lambo um and tickets are available on StubHub, and there's more than usual because this is happening. Like that's your that's your only chance this season, unless there's a playoff game there, to go to Lambeau to see your now good Detroit Lions team play. Like those guys are going to gobble that up. That makes perfect sense. Um, so yeah, just don't put the the odd games on the gold package. Stop doing that. It, so okay, you ran the numbers on that. You did yeah, the whole tweet thread. There's of charts like, and stuff. That's right. There's charts and things. Yeah. But my argument against that is, granted, I am now having to use anecdotal evidence. However, <laughs> a large enough sample Artisanal size of data. anecdotal evidence works. Okay, like there, there were so many people that are like, I have covered the team for thirty years. I have never seen this many opposing fans, and that is coming from many, many sources. So even with the like, yes, the Packers are at a disadvantage in this exact situation. This was a monumental outlier of fandom pouring in. And it just so happened to like gold package has has a reputation for a reason, whether it is as extreme as as the criticism goes, there is still some truth to it. The only time I've ever been to told to sit down was at a gold package game. <laughs> people like, at the green package games tell people to sit down too. But there's just, a bunch of old folkies at those too that do the same thing. And, and also to answer the question directly, I have complained about gold package on this here podcast many times. <laughs> like I feel like the gold package discourse is not a new thing. It just was in the spotlight this week. Fair. Okay. There's also but yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, like your charts and everything made sense. Okay. However, however, all right. this was an unprecedented amount of 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 people fans. putting tickets out there and yes. all that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. 
I would add on to that too, that this uh, consternation about the gold package, people just selling their tickets for a profit. It's like, yeah, because it's easy to do it now. So of course they're going to do that to some degree. I mean, you can't necessarily control who's going to buy him. So I don't know. I feel like that's kind of unwarranted to criticize that. Yeah, well, okay. So the NFL already has the, the, like, you won't lose your season tickets if you sell it through us thing. Yeah. Why not have verified fans? I don't know. I mean, I guess they could. I don't, it, it's it's tough. I mean, artists, music artists have verified fans in order to get into pre-sale for tickets. Why couldn't the NFL? Hmm. I guess they could. Like, like, guess what? Your NFL.com login has to be linked to one team, and it can only be changed once every three years. So I wonder if they would run into problems with uh, commuter franchises like the Raiders if they made that policy. Because the whole idea of the Raiders existing is to sell tickets to other fans, you know? Sure. I don't know. Time to tweet at, time to tweet at Goodell about that is what it is, man. Let him know. <laughs> Tell him. All right. That's enough gold right. package bashing. Let's move on. Next question is from Ryan Ziegler. It's a... um. It's a short question. I love that. So was Luke Getze part of the problem at the end with Rogers? He certainly has done fields. Absolutely no favors. <laughs> Matt, do you have a Getze thing? I <sighs> I mean, Getze was a yes man and had that position because he was a yes man. So he let Aaron Rodgers do whatever he wanted. And now that he has to coach, he's out of practice. <laughs> I think you got to be careful whenever you're hiring the the second man for an offensive guru head coach, especially if the quarterback's already doing kind of his own thing. Like I, Matt's basically right. You're you're down the rabbit hole a little bit there, and if you're going to hire that guy, you got to be really sure that he is like a true disciple, good management practices, an actual like leader. I don't know what Luke gets. I can't. I don't know what he looks like. Um, but like that's always a risky hire. I feel so. Um, it's a I get you go, you go in Shanahan tree, and so I, I get why you kind of go there, but I think he's a problem, and I think Yes Man's probably right. Um, you want somebody more in the weeds than that who proves it a little bit more. And at some point down a coaching tree, you're just getting the leaves that are falling off anyhow, so. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's really tricky with guys like LaFleur, who, like, he's running the offense. Like, he's the brains behind the offense. Everybody under him is just an executor of things he tells them to do, but not a creative person. And you can maybe learn to be that, but I feel like it's really hard to suss that out in interviews and whatnot before that guy gets to coordinate somewhere not under his head coach. Like, yeah, but then sometimes when those guys coordinate somewhere under their head coach, they're Joe Barry and they still get jobs. I mean, there's nepotism forever as well, so <laughs> there's that. <sighs> you mean right. Joe Marin? Next question? Yep. From Brian Polakowski, are the Lions legit good, or were the Packers that bad? Yes. The Packers were bad. <laughs> Thursday night's not their cup of tea. The, the Lions are good. They're not They're not the 49ers good. They're, they're not like the best team in the league, but they're a good team. They're really well put together. They, I think they did a nice job uh, reforming their defense over the offseason from something that was pretty atrocious to something that is at least average to maybe even pretty good with a little development up, up front there. Um, they looked better against us than they have against other teams they've played so far, but they did. Um, they got that chiefs win, which is funny how that looks less impressive over time. Doesn't it? Um, but yeah, their homes is still a magician. Though. He is. He is absolutely a magician, yeah. but man, they're looking a little rough over there. 
Um, but mm-hmm. Yeah, the Lions are good. Like they're uh, they are solidly better than everybody else in the division, um, and they are one of the upper echelon NFC teams. They're not as good as the absolute upper echelon, but you know th- they're they're scary. They'll be uh, they'll be a tough out in the playoffs. All that stuff. Who thought we'd ever say that about the Lions, huh? Yeah. How about that? Go ahead, Lions. Good for you guys. I mean, I got I got to say that once in my lifetime, but they had the greatest running back of all time. <laughs> yeah, that's a curse too, though. Then you got to use him. All right, next question. Yep. Another one from either a smart fella or a fart smaller. Oh, Not a sub question. <laughs> Not a sub question. <laughs> Not because it doesn't have anything to do with the initial question or yeah. even that much to do with the Packers for that matter. But last week you guys were discussing how some of the drawbacks of AJ Dillon were that he's a big target. Not that fast and runs upright. And as a Badgers fan, I cannot help but think those very criticisms could also be applied to Braylon Allen. Do you suppose he might have a limited ceiling in the NFL for these reasons? Or is he less similar than I think Were his pro earning prospects kind of screwed by his position switch from um, SLB to RB? Yes. Yes. Um, you should stay at safety or linebacker if you can and not move to running back. Braylon Allen does run upright. That is absolutely a problem. I think he is a better athlete than AJ is. AJ, AJ's Raz is fool's gold. Uh, he is like a nine. Because he's huge. He's right? a nine one eight guy, but it's driven a lot by his size. Uh, and he's not that shifty. He's just He has decent straight line speed. I do think Braylon Allen will test better on agility. I think he's a little shiftier and maybe a little better for that reason. But those criticisms are all completely fair. He is not, you know, this is not the second coming of um, any of the two good recent bet, Melvin Gordon or uh, the one we almost traded for, whose name is escaping me right now. Because apparently I can't remember running backs' names today. Um, who's, who's on the Colts? Help me out. That we didn't trade for. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Thank you. Yeah, he's not Jonathan Taylor. Not even close. Um, and <laughs> he's so, the second coming of Ron Dane. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's a better athlete than Ron, um, for sure. But yeah, I don't think he's going to be any kind of like elite NFL player. I think those criticisms are completely valid. Next question comes from uh, Mark Podscarby. We gave up five sacks. I know you guys say sacks are QB stat, but plenty seemed like love had no chance. So were the sacks truly on love or the O-line this game? We covered this a little bit earlier, um, but yes, you are right. A lot of these are O-line sacks. They were real bad. <laughs> also, I, I, I need to add this caveat here. When I say that sacks are QB stat, it is sacks over 2.4 seconds. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. We do have those. There are there are that is a metric that is tracked. Yep. Um, And uh, Justin Fields uh, leads the league in sacks over four seconds. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Get get out. Get out on the Tyson Bajant bandwagon early because he's coming soon. But it's 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 a double edged sword, right? Like he has the athleticism to create a four second pocket play. Yeah. And then gets murdered. Yeah. Now, all of that said, Love could have done a better job getting the ball out quicker in this game. He had opportunities to do that, and he is a big game hunter and chose not to. That's just a lack of situational awareness on his part. Um, so, yeah, some of that's his fault. But, yeah, the, the line was really, really bad, and he did have a lot of collapsed lines in his face. Yeah, but scroll back to uh, 10 minutes into the podcast and re-listen to the part about turndowns. Yep, turndowns. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Gotta watch for the turndowns. All right. Next up, uh, Devlin Sheehan asks, going off of DVOA or whatever other stat you want to use, how highly ranked would the Packers defense have to be at the end of the season for you to want Joe Barry back next uh, Top three. Such they would good, have to magically go to top three such a good in question. every aspect of yeah. the game. 
because if it's like eight like that's probably just random chance inserting itself and and making getting them lucky for a season and it's not it's just good enough to make it look good but it's not really good it's going to crash back down to earth matt's right it's got to be like a fundamental like joe barry has to have like a light bulb moment epiphany and things need to change like schematically and they need to finish top three you're right about that and because traditionally in advanced stats the gap between three and eight is roughly equivalent to the gap between eight and 30 yep that's like what you guys would need. How how much do you think the Packers would need to see from him though? Oh, I don't think uh, I think much. we're going to see Joe Barry next year regardless. Yeah. And I do <laughs> That's the answer. Like, I do feel like we have the, had this scenario, this exact scenario where it's like he'll have a strong finish, a quote unquote mm-hmm. strong finish for like 3 games and they'll be like, "Oh, Joe's got it all figured out. We'll be good going next year. You got to uh, Jair taught him how to call things right this time, but not on run defense though." So Also, Matt, we saw Dom Capers fall asleep in the box and keep his job that is the, that yeah. is this team that is how loyal this team is to their Man, i wish we still had yes. dom capers asleep calling defense uh, <laughs> it'd be better it'd be better next question from patrick detmer left in hindsight here the bakhtiari 2020 extension will have to go down as one of the most disappointing contract signings in team history despite it being a no-brainer in the fall of 2020 the question is, do the Packers deserve any blame for not looking to find a successor sooner and for not going into the season with a left tackle who had played in 12 games over the past two seasons along with Yash and Rashid Walker? Or do they get the benefit of the doubt because they since because they since they do not share my gift of, si- of hindsight? <laughs> There's a lot in there. Um, so, yes, it's bad. Um, they I don't think they deserve blame for not looking for a successor because I think that they've had a lot of potential successors with some... Um, some chance of becoming good, including Elton Jenkins, who um, is it's kind of just a bad coincidence that he's hurt right now, too. Um, you could do a lot of better work on the line and line shuffling if he were healthy. He's an important I just, cog. I'm old enough to remember when they signed Elton Jenkins to his extension and everyone going, he's going to play left tackle yep. while he's making guard money. This is the best thing ever. That is correct. That did happen. So, like, they, they take offensive linemen all the time, and they get pretty good play out of them. It's just they have too many hurt right now. And so, like, that's not a problem the Packers have. The Packers often have a left tackle in waiting, <laughs> uh, and um, I don't think you can fault them for that. They've just run into some bad luck here. Um, the biggest thing they screwed up with Bakhtiari was converting his salary into bonus for cap purposes. Because now you're paying him, no matter what. Like, and... Uh, it didn't do Bakhtiari. Well, it did do him favors because it got him a bunch of money. But it didn't do bunch him any guaranteed favors. money. Yeah, it, it didn't do any favors like in terms of the look of this, which was you you guaranteed my salary and I stopped playing, which is what it looks like happened. If you want to go that route, now I don't think that's the case. I think the Bakhtiari situation is probably complicated. It probably does hurt. Um, it probably does flare up. Maybe it was even screwed up. Um, but. It's it's not they have since the injury and since the skittishness coming back, they haven't handled this salary well. But not depth. Depth they've been fine on. Matt's not right. so, so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Dutch boy five asks. I have never been as high on Gary as I think most of Packers Nation is. Huh. Admittedly, part of it is why not. Admittedly, part of it is because I am an MSU alum and I universally and irrationally dislike all UM players. Having said that, does he show talent in pass rush, but he is terrible against the run? 
I am convinced that any smart team would run the ball 70% of the time against the Packers, especially at Gary, and win 100% of the time. What say you? Pay the man or draft another pass rusher next year. Okay, first of all, go green. Second, uh, Rashawn Gary could not set an edge if he could cut a trench behind him. And it... <sighs> you lost, you lost it, there, didn't you? Yeah, I'm, I... I, I Doing MSU I, wanted, I almost I almost went into a, a World War One reference, and I was like, "This is going to get too deep for a, a Packers <laughs> podcast." Um, but so Gary is a designated pass rusher. He is what he is at this point. He's always going to win his pass rush reps. It would be smart to run at him. I think that we are in a situation where it is advantageous that he's on a pitch count because he's only out there on obvious passing downs where him not being able to hold an edge isn't necessarily a problem. But yeah, if if you saw Gary out there on first and 10, I would absolutely check to a run right at him. Yep, all fair. Yep, He's so good at pass rushing that he's still super valuable, and he should work on that whole edge setting thing. But uh, he's not a perfect player, and there are a lot of super good edge rushers who are, if not perfect, you know, hold up their end of the bargain on the run. And it really is just a discipline thing. It's weird to be bad at it. It's like... Um, I, he is just kind of ruthless aggression, and he just goes tearing out after the quarterback, and that's part of the problem. And maybe if you did coach into him that he's got to take that split second to stop and check where he is on the field in relation to the running back and the um, you know the tackle and the tight end, that maybe it would slow him down so much that he would lose effectiveness there. But it seems like you could do a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what you should pay him. Pay- he's awesome. Yes, absolutely. What year did the Panthers play the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Oh, uh, the Jake four? DeLome Super Bowl? I don't yes, know, the so Jake DeLome Super ago, Bowl. Decades so ago. It, it, yeah, it was, it was literally 20 years ago. Um, it was on like NFL Network or something during the offseason, and I watched it, including the broadcast, and it was hilarious because Julius Peppers was a rookie, and he was, what, like 270 or something like that as a defensive end uh, in a 4-3. And the announcers kept talking about how the Patriots were running at him because he was the lightest player on the line. <laughs> and it was just like, wow, times have changed. Indeed. Man. <laughs> Next question comes from Scarf21. I don't know if this is recency bias, but it seems like the Packers struggle against aggressive and physical teams. Is this team composition? Could it be that they're in need of some fiery personalities in the coaching staff? All of the above and more? If in, or in any case the team start reevaluating the way this team is constructed in both the roster and the coaching staff. More kneecap biting perhaps. <laughs> uh, the, the line uh, to the lion's credit, they did seem to out physical everybody, but um, I think this, this is more of a one-off based on Packer injuries and uh, on offense uh, on the offensive line just did get beat up, but there wasn't a lot there. But on defense, I mean, yeah, they, they throw a bunch of 280-pound linemen out there and they get mauled, and that is uh, a, just a physics problem of physicality. Um, personnel-wise, they do need to get bigger up there. They need to be able to at least situationally stop the run and not get pulverized. And so, yeah, um, I, I don't want to put it as like this moral thing of like they're not tough enough guys because they're, you know, if they saw if they saw you in a dark alley and you accused them of this, they would murder you in two seconds. Um, so yeah, not, not, that's not the problem here. <laughs> the, the toughness is not the problem. The problem is that they're not set up 
to be to out physical people. They're they're set up to be quick and wiry and fast and stop the pass, and not to uh, bowl over offensive linemen. They do need to fix that. It's going to look ugly sometimes until they do. Next question from a great name here, Throb Zombie. Throb Zombie. Why? I love that. Why isn't Nixon returning punts? Is he that important as a nickel? Will he ever take a knee on a kick return? <laughs> Matt's just laughing. I was going to let you go first. Well, because he's oh, Matt, he's the uncle. He's the uncle Rico of of kickoff. Where he's like, "Hey, man, I bet you I can throw a ball over the mountains. Yep. Like, I bet you, I bet you I can take one 109 and a half yards." Yes, indeed, he I, can. He can though. Sometimes it'd be nice if he yeah. did it once this season, or just made mm-hmm. the twenty-five yard line once this season. <laughs> uh, he did, I believe, return a punt in this game. I believe he had a thirty-four yard punt return in this game in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, and I think it was it was after Reed muffed one. <laughs> yeah, it was. Reed in his hands. So, yes, he is important at nickel because uh, we don't have enough bodies. Like we don't have enough real NFL cornerbacks on the roster until Stokes comes back. Yeah. So yes, he is important at the nickel. Now Stokes practiced today. He did. Yeah. Looks good. So if Stokes if Stokes plays against the Raiders, maybe Nixon returns punts. Which would be nice. They should they probably it. should just go with the, the touchback system at this point, though. It's costing them a lot. It caught they were horrible on kickoffs in this game. They were atrocious. They um, he never once made it. He, so that's not true. He made it to the 26 yard line twice. And on both of those instances, the Packers committed holding penalties. So <laughs> back up 10 yards from the spot of the foul. Um, every other, every, every single other return, he never got past the 20. So like just, just hemorrhaging yardage by running it out of the end zone. My, well, my favorite comparison here is two years ago, People were mortar kicking to the one yard line, forcing the Packers to return, yeah. knowing that they wouldn't make the twenty five. Yeah, yeah, good strategy. Now then. they are kicking it as deep as they possibly can, knowing that that Nixon He's is going it out. to take it out. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, next from Price Trozen. So it's hard to be Johnny Optimist with this burning in my head. If you are a special teams coach and you have a second-year player who is, assume all caps for the varies, very raw, very emotional, very athletic, and very motivated to win, how can you not drill what's allowed and what's not into his head during practice? I don't have the snap counts, but is Quaid normally on the field goal blocking it? If so, it is incumbent on the coaches to ensure that every player is fully aware of the rules. I'm really rooting for Quaid and hate the poopy tweets that came out after that <laughs> um he is on special teams a lot i actually i'm not sure he is usually on that team i, I should look before this but i didn't have time for all 20 this is when we week. need justice this is when yeah, we need brain worms I'm, I'm sure justice knows i do not know um but i feel like if he would have been on before this would have happened earlier <laughs> so unless it just came to him but yeah. yeah, this is this is when justice comes out and he's like, well, he's plays on thirty two point three three repeating, of course, uh, special team snaps. <laughs> and this was his first time playing on the field goal unit as the double a gap wedge and whatever words are on special teams. But yeah, I, it does seem like a problem. It, it, it feels exactly like, like it feels like anyone out there on a field goal block should know the rule that you can't take a running start and jump over the long snap. Yeah. It's just the basics, man. You got to get the basics right. <sighs> All right. 
Next, next up. JD, who's yeah, allowed to ask sub questions. Exactly. He 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 has permission. He has clearance. Lafleur seems like a good, smart coach, and I'm a fan of his. But why have so many games like the Lions game happen in his tenure, where we get or where he gets totally outcoached and struggles to make adjustments? Sub question: Does he not understand he is the guy who can try running the ball more if he wants? It's hilarious. He always says they need to do more to get more touches for Jones, and he's the guy who can literally make that happen. So, okay, in this instance, I feel like people are misunderstanding what Lafleur said. He his exact words were, "We need to find a way to run the ball." So it's implied more so that we need to be able to effectively run the run ball, the ball not well. just run it more yeah. often. Mm-hmm. So in the past when he said we need to run the ball more, he literally meant more often. And I think that he was taking uh, just barely thinly veiled shots at his quarterback who was checking out of run looks. <laughs> um, whereas now he has a quarterback who runs the offense as scripted. But, when AJ Dillon is hit in the backfield or or trips on his own feet or whatever, like Matt LaFleur is really more meaning we need to effectively run the ball. Now, his in game adjustments I do believe are suspect. And the uh narrative coming into this year was you hit Matt LaFleur in the mouth and he never comes back. And we saw a comeback win this year, yay. But also we saw two games where they got hit in the mouth and could not respond. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, I do think a lot of what the Packers do and what LaFleur does correctly are more or less scripts and more or less just, hey, here's the concepts and the the, the counters we're going to run this week. And they run them, and when they run out of plays, he gets a little predictable and things do go south a little bit. I think that's caused some of those issues in the past. Um, but he's good at those, and I do think the adjustments have been a little better this year. Like I think whatever they did in the Saints game was was great. Like just deciding to pick on Isaac Yadam was really really good. Um, the aggressiveness with two point conversion was good. They, they seem to be getting better at that. And I know people want Aaron Jones to touch the ball the ball more, and I do too because AJ is bad and Aaron Jones is excellent. Um, however, it's worth remembering he was just out with a hamstring pull, and if he's on a bit of a snap count for this game specifically. That's probably warranted, even if it does cost you quite a bit in the decline to the next level of running back. So I get that. And yeah, I, I know people read this as, you know, we got to find a way to get Aaron the ball more too. Yes, but he's got to be in shape to actually handle it. And behind the offensive line they had, I mean, Aaron Jones got killed in this game. <laughs> he took two or three massive shots that um, probably also made them skittish about that. So that'll come when the line's better and the defense is worse. But like I kind of get how this game specifically worked. And I, I do think Matt's been getting better on endgame situations. Yeah, I totally agree. They're good points. I'd say, too, like people I think might not think of uh, Matt LaFleur's coming back after the punch of the Lions game, but they looked pretty good in the second half for, for stretches. So there is some fight there yeah, I think I mean, more than we've seen in the past you are correct about that the second half of this game was the best part of this game by leaps and bounds and part of that mm-hmm. was detroit prevent but part of it was also executing a lot better and dropping that diamond to jane reed down the field and uh that run play where jordan love scored where he had a blocker in front of him just wide open which i think was a run pass option up the middle kind of weird play there's some fun creative stuff there i think he did well Parker's got fight they got moxie you guys yeah 
Hey times seven asks, I was fortunate enough to watch this game during a Guns N' Roses concert. I would <laughs> happily take the current lineup of Guns N' Roses over our defensive front going forward. My question is this, is it possible to build a totally athletic roster and a physical roster? It's possible, but it's really hard. Um, but I also think that coaching comes into it. How so? I mean, you can build hyper athletes, but you still need to teach them how to use their athleticism. Okay, that's true. You're right about that. Because, um, I mean, sometimes you draft Oren Burks, who is a 999 athlete yep. and has mashed potatoes for brains. So that's not and... true. We shouldn't be that mean to Oren Burks. By all counts, Oren <laughs> Burks is extremely smart. He is, he is actually. He's 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 uh, playing special teams and using his, I believe he has a business degree. Yeah, I think the problem and... with Oren Burks was probably overthinking more than anything else. Yeah. And he he's, has a 35 he's... at the Wonderlick, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vanderbilt, is that where he came from? No idea where Oren Brooks played college. Not a clue. But uh, yeah, because I mean, the I think it was Justice who said that he's going to take his special teams money and his business degree and turn it into generational wealth. Yeah, probably because, so. So um, not mashed potatoes for brains. Different kind. I, of thing. In terms of in terms of football IQ, how's that? Yeah, that that's fine. He's, um, Jason Spriggs, hyper athlete. Yep. Giant lag spike. Yep. So sometimes it's the player. Sometimes it's the coaching. It is possible. We've seen it before. It's just uh, not right now. Also, Aaron Donalds are expensive. Like It's hard to find guys who are huge and super athletic who don't cost a fortune in some capacity, either draft capital or actual capital. So that's a problem, too. You usually do have to compromise a little bit on on size versus athleticism. It, it just is part of the game. There's just not that many unicorns out there to pick from, and that's that's how it goes. So who is the guy that played for Kansas City? Dontari Poe. I don't I don't remember I remember Dontari Poe existing, but not anything about him. Dontari Poe weighed like three hundred and thirty pounds and ran a five one or something like that. Like some <laughs> That's terrifying. Like, yeah. Um he he is currently holds the record for heaviest touchdown. He's the guy who beat BJ Rashi. Oh, okay. Um yeah, so like those guys exist. They they come around. They do. They do. They're just rare. Next question from an old man on a bike in Shirlington. All right. I'm yes. an old man on a bike. Love this. I'm an old man on a bike who knows what it's like to be winded after brief periods of strenuous exercise. But I admit I was surprised to see a Rudy Ford sucking oxygen after picking off golf and immediately running out of bounds. But I digress from my question this week. In hindsight, it's clear the Packers erred in extending two aging players in recent years. First Rogers and then Bakhtiari. To me, it seems professional football teams should generally shun third contracts with the only exception being Hall of Fame quarterbacks who should then be shunned before a fourth <laughs> extension. In contrast, I think the Packers played it right when they came to the when it came to Devontae and managed to generate significant draft capital for an aging receiver. Well, what say you? So third contracts in Green Bay are rare. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, very rare. They are. And so the team generally agrees with you. It's just they made exceptions for their Hall of Fame quarterback and likely their Hall of Fame quarterback's best friend. Yep. That's it. But generally speaking, you are right. This is a young man's game, and the you take a huge risk paying third contracts to anybody in the NFL because they're very likely to be done very shortly. Um, quarterbacks especially, people overrate how long they play. Uh, most people, I think, would probably tell you that Peyton Manning played into his 40s. He did not. Um, a lot of other guys did too. Uh, I mean, technically... I, I, get, I mean, yes, technically he was on the field, but he wasn't any good yeah, anymore. 
Peyton Manning's corpse stumbled to the finish line in his 40s. Just barely. Just barely. Um, and receivers, too. And, I, like, I love Devontae, and he might, he may very well be the exception. He's kind of a weird guy in terms of how he moves and the skill set he has. If he is, ends up being an exception, I won't be that surprised. But uh, I wouldn't put my hard-earned NFL salary-capped money on it either. I would be uh, really harsh about extending any of my old veterans for this very reason. So, But it's rare. It is rare. Yeah. Uh, next up, Richard Proctor. Is Rashawn Gary ever going to come off a pitch count? Having your best or second-best defensive player on the field for 20 to 30 snaps a game does not seem worth a huge contract extension, to be honest. Granted, 20 to 30 snaps is way better when the defense isn't out there for 70-plus snaps, but still, I don't disagree with the pitch count. My priority is that Rashawn Gary, the person, doesn't end up with a mangled body before he's 40, but I am starting to get why Goot hasn't extended him yet. <laughs> I guess there's kind of a question in there. Yeah. Um, so he probably will come off of a pitch count, uh, but gradual is the way to come back from these. Like, And he, he has weaknesses, so you can even do this and have it make sense that's fine um i think he is worth extending mostly because he's shown that he hasn't lost anything athletically like gary is very reliant on his athleticism for production and he is very very athletic and i think that it would there was an open question on the acl recovery if he would lose anything significant and you know he still gets way whacked out on his edge setting but he's still just a physical freak so um i'm i'm fine bringing him back and i do think they'll get him up to maybe not full snaps but more than 20 or 30 a game for what he's and good at I, he's really 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 good at so definitely worth yeah. having yeah and i'm i'm of the opinion that i think when we take him off the pitch count is when we see him play way worse than he is now you you may very well be right about that because when you force him to be a three down player his weaknesses will come right back yeah all right next up from big rig is it time to finally put the fangio's daily defense out to pasture <laughs> why was lafleur so obsessed with getting this scheme outside of the fangio bears themselves i don't remember this scheme being some kind of kryptonite for what the packers were running in fact lafleur pants the rims uh pantses i think the rams pretty regularly why not steal from defense that was actually giving them trouble that's a good one matt you want to go first well i, I mean we are not running the fangio staley defense we're running <laughs> joe barry writing on a napkin at a bar watching fangio and staley or or he he stole one of their notebooks and ran into the bathroom and copied it down on the back of his arm the uh, shadows also, of the cave wall version yeah all true so I will also just scheme. Your defensive scheme doesn't matter, and there are no magic defensive schemes at all. Um, offenses in on offense schemes can work. People can learn a scheme from people and implement it properly uh, because you're dictating, and you can learn fairly easily how to dictate situations to people who have to react to them. That's not as big of an ask as what defensive coordinators are asked to do, which is see what's out there and instantly figure out where the weak spots are and where to put people to solve it. Um, and that's why stuff like this tends not to work long-term and people write questions like this. Vic Fangio is really good at running Vic Fangio's defense because he is a bit of a savant. He also, by the way, tends to land in situations that get him really good players. The 49ers under Fangio also had that and it also worked really well. Um, 
But by and large, great defensive coordinators are savants, and you can't really learn to be them. Um, my go-to example for this is actually the Ryan brothers, where one of them is a defensive savant who basically always coordinates a good defense, and if, especially if he's allowed to pick his own personnel. And the other one is a wolfman who sucks. And, um, you know, they presumably have the same influences. They can consult with each other. And one of them is just great at reacting in the moment, and the other one just can't do it at all. And uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to get that. So whether you have three down linemen or four down linemen, or you lean nickel a little more heavily, like it's much much more about being able to to quickly diagnose the opposing offense and make changes than it is about any like base scheme. Uh, the base scheme is is just a, a red herring on these things. I think the fact right. that Packers fans lived through a conversion from four three to three four and like made a big deal about it really stuck that bug in everybody's head about like the importance of schematic differences in defense. Yeah, I think that's true. And I mean, it all turns out the same in the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One guy standing two inches back. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Same thing. In the case of the Ryans, one guy always a foot head. (laughs) So anyhow, this next one, not a question, but I, I personally, as a positive person, appreciate this one. So Richard Proctor contributes this isn't a question, but maybe we'll make it under the pot and help stressed out Packers fans. Having a really young team is actually so liberating and awesome. Any yeah. mistake they, they make, it's just say, oh, I mean, they're all children. It's fine. They'll learn. As opposed to, say, 33-year-old Brett Favre still throwing into triple coverage or peak Aaron Rodgers electing to simply ignore a third of the field for an entire game because he was worried about Sherman's effect on his interception numbers. Mm-hmm. Those are dumb mistakes from players that should know better. Let the kids play and let go of your worries. It's just a game. It's fun. Amen, Richard. Yeah, I like it. You're here. Uh, Next up, Scott. Sorry, old man on a bike. I used an e-bike bike share to go to the Packers Lions and discovered that those things are wonderful. Anyway, I watched QB school and it seemed love was passing up reads. Good news. Dubs seemed to be open a, a ton. Any idea if he felt hurried and went through them too quickly or he was just putting deep ball strikes, especially with Watson back or something else? We kind of talked about this. We right? did. And I think he was. We did. I think he was hunting. That's my read on the situation. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Flaley Joel Osmond. Uh, I just I just finished Infinite Jest. Man, sure you did. Sure you Good did. Good job. Good job, man. <laughs> one of the few. I just finished Infinite. I started that one time, and it's it's a project. So um, just finished reading this book, which was less of a painful slog than watching this game, as is required. <laughs> now I have to let people know I've read Infinite Jest. Should I watch Monday night or start War and Peace? You should watch Monday night, and you know you can get should... the Aaron Book Club now. <laughs> Should you watch Monday night or should you watch Lawrence of Arabia? Well, there you go. That is also a project. Uh, yeah, what the games are there to be watched? We only have so many of them. Yeah. Watch the game. And they'll but probably be pretty good. This question. question. You want to see this one? Yeah, and yeah. we're only going to get seventeen of them this year, guys. Enjoy them. Exactly. Uh, next from Shark McCarthy. What the hell is I Ari Marov? Marov. Uh, he's who is this sport, guy? So he's my sports update. He. Uh, built a huge following by being eternally online in a literal sense and just constantly F5ing and having push notifications on for guys like Schefter and then just copy and pasting what they said and then saying per them. Yeah, two um, seconds later. Yep. And he actually never got a real check mark 
during the legacy checkmark era <laughs> um, because he's not a real journalist. <laughs> and because he has 200,000 followers, people think he is. And he's actually just, just a content a aggregating. Yeah. He's basically Dov, who uses his real name. Oh, there you go. So he, he's like the Dov of like real people, actual people. Yeah, Ari's a real person, and his name really yeah. is Ari. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he does not add anything to the conversation. He's Ike Packers with five times the followers. Yeah, I want to be clear that just because he uses his real name doesn't mean he's more useful or better than Dov no, is no. at all. No, no. no, I'm just saying he's he's Dov with a name. Yes, I agree. Like, <laughs> I just feel like that sounded almost like uh, like an endorsement a little bit, and I wanted to be oh, very, God, no. very okay. clear that it was I've, not an endorsement. No ifs, ands, or buts. <laughs> I, Matt, but you can call me Matab Matanich, do not endorse, <laughs> nor do I follow Ari Mayrov. He is a content-stealing hack. Yeah, I had to look up who he was yep. today, and I, I realized that I'd seen him today because he tweeted out the Aaron quote from Pat McAfee, I'm sure, two yes. seconds after somebody else had. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Don't, Second don't follow him. Yep. All. All right, one more Patreon question from PJ Wessels. Here's to JR's new content machine in Damon. Hopefully, a good wild card series. No. You're here. Do you want uh, Do you want Bach or Elton back sooner? As of As of uh, right now, in the recording, the Brewers just lost six to three. Yes, they lost. Um, it was yeah, af- a little bit ago. after getting only three runs on twelve hits and leaving runners on base. They stranded like a zillion guys on base. It was it's so- it was absolutely infuriating. Uh, Top is so mad that he swore and logged off Twitter. It's about time. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Ryan. <laughs> All right, on to the uh, Twitter questions. Well, uh, uh, by the way, five here. the answer to that one, but you knew that. Oh, yeah, yeah agreed. Question. Elton, yeah. Elton, 100%. Yep. And much more realistic getting back a lot sooner, too. So uh, five questions from Twitter. So we are uh, nearing the end here, folks. Yes, Jonathan actually, Deal. really quick. Yeah. Technically, yeah. Four questions from Twitter and one from my dear brother, who is a patron who never asks on the Patreon, only on Twitter. So, I'm pretty sure he just like set up auto renew on the Patreon and then forgot his login info. <laughs> I think you're probably right about that, but we have to make hey, sure Danny. we answer his question because he paid for it. So, all right. Well, first up, Jonathan Deal. Um, Matt Lafleurism bothers you more. Him insisting Aaron Jones needs more touches you know, when he's the one calling plays, or him saying the defense was too soft when his nepotism DC hire is only known for soft defenses. Second like one, yeah, it's that one. I get the Aaron one a lot of the time, yeah. and I like. I honestly, I kind of get Aaron Jones touches. Um, the problem there's AJ. It's not Aaron. Like limiting Aaron's probably smart. He gets hurt a lot, and he's valuable in the passing game. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Just need a better backup. But yeah, the defense thing is super annoying at this point. It just never ever gets better. Well said. Next from Crowpack Crow, in a crumbling O line, why can't we at least try Nyman and Orion? They could have traded Nyman away if they don't plan to use him at all. Uh, yes, I'm yes. on board. Ryan can't be worse than. A lot of the people playing in front of well, he can, but he can't be, uh, he he can't be so much worse that he's not worth trying. So give him a shot, see how it goes. Yes, third round curse, man. Yeah, yeah, it does rear its head a lot, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, from the aforementioned Danny Noonan, why are Packers tickets all season tickets in the first place? Ticket packages make sense for Brewers and Bucks trying to sell more available seats, but if you only play eight games, that will definitely sell out. Want to make them all individual game tickets and let market decide price? <sighs> Hasn't always been that way. Wow. And this question makes Atlas shrug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, season tickets get you guaranteed money. That's the long and short of it. And so, 
they the teams love them because people are pretty committed. Yeah, it's a fair point, but you got to think long term too. And if you have down seasons, which the NFL is, you know, it, there's not really down NFL seasons too much, but you could envision scenarios in the far future where tickets aren't as in demand, and you really do count on those season tickets and the promise of the scarcity of tickets when they get good again, coming back uh, into the fray, getting them cash flow and keeping them alive. So it's all that. It's a little tradition and a little business sense. And yeah, that's why. And also, if you do away with the system, you are screwing over 200,000 people waiting in line. Also that. There's (laughs) a lot of reasons for season tickets, yes. There would be pitchforks. There would be torches. Next up, again from Crowpack Crow, another one. Uh, Taylor moved up to RB1 towards the end of the game versus Saints. Four days later, Jones is back and Taylor is RB4 and does not suit up, even with the vacated roster spot after moving back or moving back to um, injured reserve. I do not understand. <laughs> um, Matt, you might know this. I have forgotten it. But if they had Pat Taylor come up one more time, did they have to sign him at the active roster? I think that might yes, have been what they do. That, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's out of he's out of elevation. So they were yeah. cheating that through this, right? That's all this was is being that's able to what I took it as. Yeah, they were on. they were basically just elevating him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. That's so that's fine. it. That's it. All right. And uh one last question, guys, from Sam. Sam. Uh are the run issues on defense more scheme or talent? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry <laughs> to give you the yes answer, but it is just true in this case <laughs> you can't be this bad at it unless everything's going wrong simultaneously all right it is it is truly impressive how bad they are in every phase it really is it's incredible yes alas all right we're done we're up we're up on out of here um next uh for people still listening bless you uh next week's show might be a little weird because i have to travel um an annoying schedule to next week so it might be a mail show or something like that or maybe matt and i, do I will also matt won't be do traveling, be traveling i will likely not there will be a show though so. so don't worry about that <laughs> uh but before we get out of here uh for matt thank you for joining us and helping us along yeah. here uh would you like to give you our podcast a quick plug to everybody who's never heard it yeah, I'd appreciate that. And just before I do real quickly, I want to say that one of the things I love about this show and listening to this and uh, you guys is that the questions that people ask are always so like interesting and good, like really just a higher level of question asking. So to have the chance tonight to like read those questions on air was a delight. Oh, so I appreciate thank that. you. Yeah. Really, they, really fun. Thanks, stuff. man. The guys do good work. They do. They we, really do. It's very like impressive. So. Um, anyhow, yeah, no, I do a podcast called Hey, We Like Your Pod, which is a chance for my co-host, Don DeQuisto, and I to talk about the things that we liked the most that week in Packers content. So with the uh, veritable fire hose that we have for that sort of thing every week, uh, having a place where people can come and listen to some recommendations for some good stuff they might have missed, uh, that's what we're there for, just some positivity, some appreciation. And we also have interviews about half the times with uh People in Packers Twitter, content creators, stuff like that. We've had Metaban, Paul's coming on later this season. In fact, we're excited about that, man. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good time, man. It's it's good vibes. And uh, check it out. We actually go live uh, during the season, during the football season, uh, Thursday nights at halftime. So you can catch us on YouTube. And it also drops on podcast platforms on Saturday mornings. Nice. All right. I also very much enjoy your podcast. Um, it is excellent for finding shows i've never heard of before or reminding me of ones i have heard of before but haven't listened to in a while um so uh, like it for all that love the positivity of it especially and al- almost always leads me to something you know good packer wise which i appreciate otherwise i get stuck with cynical jerks so <laughs> of that out there. wow you listen yeah. to yourself a lot then eh yeah funny, <laughs> huh? uh, do, you, do you have anything to plug Matub? 
No, I made one piece of content this year, and that might be it. Oh no! All right, it was a good one. It was a Rashawn Gary of content, is what it was. Quality oh, snap. Thank you. Basically, anytime I I try to set time aside, something bad happens. So I'm cursing myself anytime I try. Uh, to make hopefully more that clears up. It has been kind of like that way for a while. Yes. Okay. Well, um, before we get out of here, um, my uh, recap of the last game is up at the Shepherd Express right now. Please do is in theory up at the Shepherd Express right now should be uh, and I'm going to write about Joe Barry later this week too cuz I'm that's why I have charts available for this podcast right now <laughs> cuz I am preparing for that so um that'll do it for us in some form or another we'll be back next week with a podcast um and then we'll be more normal after the bye so, yeah we we need the bye too we need some recovery so time we need things to get back to normal we're almost there um, but, uh, test. enjoy the game tune in next of week peace we will and see you the all solace of rest as the souls of the dead fill the space of my ears, their laughter like children, their beckoning cheers. My heart longs to join them, sing songs of the sea. I remember the fallen, do they think of me? When their bones in the ocean forever will be.